This is Jocko Underground Podcast number 58. Sitting here with Echo Charles. Echo Charles, how long does it take to plan a SEAL mission? 30 minutes. More. Less. More. More, more right? Uh, more than you have. So this is a common question that I used to ask the SEALs. It'd be like, how, how long will it take you to plan this mission? And guys, guys, it won't be four hours or six hours or eight hours or one hour. And the answer actually is, this is actually what the answer is, it's a half an hour longer than the amount of time that you had to plan the mission. Because that's what it takes to get everything aligned. You're almost there, then you gotta freaking make some last minute adjustments. Yeah. Now, I, I recently discovered there's a, a theory, a law around this, and it's actually called Parkinson's Law. And Parkinson's Law, what it states is that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Now, in, in a planning for like a SEAL mission, there's always a little bit extra to do. That's why it expands beyond it by about a half an hour. You give somebody 20 minutes to plan, it's gonna take them 50. You give them an hour, it's gonna take an hour 30. So this guy, his name was Cyril Northcote Parkinson. He was alive. Born in 1909, lived to 1993. He was a naval historian. He was an author, and he served in the Territorial Armor and, uh, Army, which is like the reserves over in England. And he actually ended up teaching quite a bit at school, at military schools. But he made up this law, and the law was kind of. And I, I read through it. It's, it's it's a spoof. He's kind of making fun of. He's making fun of it, right? Yeah, it's sort of like yeah. my statement of like, it takes a half an hour. Like the theory is that it takes one half hour longer right. than he, he, that's what he, that's what he's doing too. Mm. And he put a bunch of formulations around it and, and he made other ones, but you know, the, uh, the number of new employees hired annually over the number of employees who want to be promoted by hiring new employees. He goes through all these formulations. They're funny. And that was for one of his other laws, but he just talks about how bureaucracies form and how, how they grow and what their effectiveness and efficiency is. But this particular law is interesting. And it's interesting to pay attention to because it allows you to take some control over time, right? And knowing that if you can compress time, you can get more done. Do you, like let's say I have a call with an East Coast client that's at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. Takes me a half an hour you know, to get done get showered my workout i'm going to be super efficient yeah. and it's going to be a good freaking workout yeah and i'm going to get i'm not going to waste any time i'm yeah. i'm in there i'm getting it yeah if i have my first calls at 9 bro my workout's going to take longer <laughs> and it's not going to be necessarily look sometimes yeah. it's nice you go in there you get a little bit of a better workout cuz you have more time yeah but when you're on a timeline you get more efficient yeah. this also applies to if you if you're going on a hike or you're going on a mission and you have whatever size rucksack you have, mm. it's gonna get filled up. Mm. So the bigger rucksack you have, the more crap you're gonna bring. Mm. The more, here's another one, your house. The bigger your house is. Remember when you had an apartment? Yep, I do. Back in the day? Back in the day, yeah. And you didn't have a bunch of stuff. Nope. You had like very limited stuff. Yep. Now you got a big house. And you got a lot of stuff. With a garage too, but With the garage that I've been in, which is kind of filled up with stuff it's real. as well. Do your cars fit in your garage anymore? They do now. We uh, we recently, very recently, just made the decision to go hard and clear it out, yeah. 
so these, if you put limitations on yourself, it can actually increase your efficiency. If you set yourself up with a tight, tight schedule, it can drive your tempo, it can drive your pace. If you give yourself unlimited time, if you give yourself unlimited resources, you're gonna use all those resources, you're gonna use all that time. Constraints that you put on yourself are very effective. Uh, you know, I, we're, we're uh, Nick, La- Nick Lavery, who's a special forces guy, he's on the podcast, he lost his leg in Afghanistan and he's got one of his legs as a prosthetic leg. But one of the things he talks about is that when he puts his leg, when he says, look, when you have a prosthetic leg, when you put that leg on, the, the, the timer starts because there's sweat gonna build up, the skin's starting to get worn, the, you're, you're basically your body changes a little bit over time. You know, you, you, that, you gotta tighten that thing up. You either get swelling or you get re- reduction. And so all these things are going on. So when you put, when he puts his leg on, he has X, you know, it, well, depending on the weather, depending on the temperature, depending on the activity, he knows when he puts that leg on, he has got to take advantage of that mobility. Mm. And that is something, all, all these things that I'm talking about, the reason I'm talking about them is because they can really help us if we understand Parkinson's law and we understand the hazards of Parkinson's law, then we can put things into effect that will help us avoid falling into that trap. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, the one of the um the things, right? Is like the things. <laughs> sure. That's pretty specific. Yeah. Is like um, I don't know, maybe okay, you ever did this or maybe your wife did this or maybe you know someone who did this where that you live with where it's like, okay, Let's say your house is kind of messy. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's normal messy, but someone's coming over. And they're like, oh, shit, I'm going to be there in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you start, oh, I don't want them to see my mess, right? And you start cleaning up. Bro, that's like a solid, quick, clean job, you know? Yep. It's kind of the same thing. And it'd be not bad. Yeah, it'll Yeah, it'll probably you be. Know. I mean, in my experience, it's usually pretty solid, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you got to. But it's, yeah, it's the, kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, oh, the clock is running. You're not you're not dilly-dallying. You're not, like, going through drawers and be like, oh, I remember this thing. Do I need it? Do I not? You're just making decisions. Yeah, one of the little quotes I saw around this thing is, if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, really. I don't appreciate that. Now, I, one thing that I, I mess up I where I have a problem is, I think I don't want to be late for anything. Yeah. And therefore, let's say I'm coming to record the podcast and I'm like, okay, I'm meeting Echo at 4.30 at night. Okay, 4.30. And I get done with a call at four and I'm like, you know what? I need gas. Mm. And I can get, I technically, I can get, I can drive here, stop, or drive to the gas station, stop, get gas, and then continue here and then be here at 4.30. Mm. But there's like a 1% chance that, I'm here at 4.33, and so I don't do it. So I could have, I it cost me three minutes of being late, but it but now when I drive home, I waste 12 minutes going to the gas station, getting the gas filled and all that stuff. So I tend on the, I need to do a better job of just fitting stuff in there. Yeah. Just get it done. Yeah. Just, hey, look, I'll be a little bit late, but no factor, deal with it. Like you were late today, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> I could have gassed. Thank I could have gone to the grocery you store or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep, you could have. You were on Hawaiian time for <laughs> yes, us. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, Hawaiian time. Well, well, yeah. But that's, okay, and then there's this factor too where it's kind of, uh, 
along those lines as well where okay you i'm assuming you never did this because of your college experience that i know about mm-hmm. you weren't like this but i was like this where let's say they're like okay we got this paper due mm-hmm. and it's going to in two in two weeks you know this paper is due and it's about this and bro to me two weeks i don't even have to start <laughs> till next week you know like bro i could do it in one week and then one week turns into like four days now you have left you know to, mm-hmm. to turn in four days and three days and then i have one day to do it mm-hmm. and i didn't even start like mm-hmm. i think that's a common thing for a lot of us <laughs> college students it's definitely a common thing and it is almost embarrassing yeah. for me I would I would literally be like done with stuff a week in advance. Yeah. Like it was so stupid. Yeah, and that makes sense. Cause and this is a whole other thing. But by the way, I'm not trying to like humble brag. I, yeah, yeah. I was a 28 year old man yeah. at this point. This was my job. This wasn't. I wasn't going to a party. Right. I wasn't meeting a girl after class or before class. I wasn't yeah. going drinking. No. I was a grown man with kids, a wife, a house. Like this oh, yeah. was my job. Uh, that's what I was doing. Yeah. So they gave me an assignment. I was like, okay, cool. Let me get this done. Right, and that's like, and that was uh, when you told me all that. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because that's probably how. I, if I chose to or went back to college, if I chose to go back to college for whatever reason, that's how it would be too. Mm-hmm. Where because it's uh, when you're eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> When uh, you are 18, could you so choose my, to be this way in for my what case, we do? In my case, 17, <laughs> there's oh. this uh, newfound sense of freedom, yeah. um, parties like three times a week. Like there's all this stuff that's like you're not used to, all these like liberties. perks and liberties and benefits and pleasures that you're not necessarily used to. So they become these massive distractions. So all this class, yeah, you barely even know why you're taking this class. So that's way on the back burner. So all this other stuff is like, you know, takes precedence or whatever. But when you're 28, just like I said, like, no, you got a wife, family. You chose to be here. Yeah. You know why you're there, too. Yeah. And you're like, bro, I'm and it's kind of easy when you look at it that way. Oh, yeah. Like college. I mean, just like high school, it's the same thing. But depending on who you are, but college in and of itself is like, I don't say it's all colleges are easy, but I'm just saying, like, if you approach it like that, you'd be surprised how, how you can fly through these things. But nonetheless, it depends. Um, but not all of us are like that in college. So you get, you know, you procrastinate all the way until the last day. You pull an all-nighter and you get it done and get a good grade. I've done that more than once. Mm-hmm. Straight One time I got a straight up A, perfect mm-hmm. score on a paper that I did in one day. Two weeks it was supposed to be. How long was the paper? Uh, four pages. Okay. Minor. I can't even give much credit for that. Dude. I know, bro, but still. <laughs> That's pretty easy. I had two weeks. I did it in one day. Yeah. So, But all that did was kind of embolden me further. Yeah. So now next time I know, they say two weeks, no problem, <laughs> one day, you know? Yeah. So it kind of can like perpetuate the, the bad behavior in a small way, you know, if you pull it off. <sighs> yep. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, there we go. L- the, the bottom line is constraints can be useful. Discipline equals freedom. Parkinson's law, know it, understand it, don't fall into the trap of giving yourself a bunch of time because you'll use it all and we we don't have unlimited time. So, there Brian, you go. You said something a couple times, but and you probably remember this, that it, it actually impacted me a lot. The idea of things looming mm. was that were we recording or not i don't, know, I don't think we we're recording actually you said you don't like i don't like things, things looming, looming. Yeah, like yeah. a paper that's due yeah exactly so in a way the better way to think of it is 
if I can procrastinate for two weeks and actually get it done in one day, we'll say two days, right? We'll say two. Mm. Um, if I can procrastinate two weeks and get it done in two days, why don't I just go hard the first two days of the Put two the weeks? Pressure up front. Yeah. yeah, then I got two weeks to cruise, which I would be doing anyway. But now I don't have anything looming, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Me, I'm loose. I'm kind of used to things looming. Yeah. Not so much anymore. But <laughs> looming, you know, that's just a you know mental exercise right there. Stay but, away from it. You know, but when the looming goes away, it's like this sense of like relief. It is a sense of relief. That's that's really nice. I, it's probably because I have a high level of conscientiousness, and you probably don't. That's but that's what I think is probably the trait that incurs looming resistance feelings. Yeah, gotcha. you know, like I think, oh, I've got work to do. I feel like I should be getting it done. You're like, yeah. oh, I've got work to do. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let me wait till I feel like doing that. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. You might, uh, you may or may not have a point. All right. All right. What? First question. We're doing Q&A. Okay. Yep. All right. Good morning. I'm 53-year-old head teacher of a special education, special education needs school in England. Who also trains four times a week in shoot wrestling and JKD. That's Jeet Kune Do, yeah. by the way. And shoot wrestling is submission grappling, yes. by the way. So just so we're all up to speed. Yes. My son is halfway through Royal Marines training, heavily influenced by you. Outstanding. I've worked at the, pres uh, the present school for 17 years and have been head teacher for five, where we educate and care for the most complex needs of pupils in the region. When I became head teacher, I prioritized developing and delegating leadership. We have a very large staff, 135 people, based upon the principles you lay out in your books. Although my work context is a million times, a million miles from where you developed your strategies, it recently proved successful when we achieved an outstanding judgment from Ofsted. Ofsted is the government agency that monitors schools. This is very hard to achieve. Well done. Awesome. I have been asked to work for for a similar school who are very much under underperforming with significant weaknesses in leadership. Now hold on, I'm gonna pause you for one second. Mm -hmm. You said I have been asked to work for a similar school, but the word that he uses here is I've been asked to work with a similar school mm. who are very much underperforming. I just wanted to point that up because that's that could mean two different things, right? It could mean hey, can you c come and teach our people some leadership? Can you come and analyze our... Like consulting? Yeah, can kinda. you consult with us? Can you help us? Can you advise us? Mm. It could also be, hey, we want you to come here full-time. So we we'll get to that. But. Okay, gotcha. Yes, so work with a similar school who are very much underperforming and significant weak with significant weaknesses in leadership, staff morale, and worst of all, they are not providing a provision that is up to standard for children who have already been dealt a bad hand in life. As an aside, I've worked with a number of young people in my career who have been obsessed with washing machines. Little That's reference a to final, final spin. spin all day. Um, here's a question in two parts. Should I work with Let's them? Let's go one at a time. Okay, number one. Should I work with them risking being associated with a failing school? In asking the question, I am just selfishly thinking about how time and effort, how much time and effort I will need to put in and my ego. Um, so that's question number one. All right. So uh, you kind of nail some stuff here. There is a pragmatic question of time and effort. If you're stepping into a failing school and you're going to go there full time, you're leaving your other job, yeah. you got to give yourself a realistic assessment of where you're at in your life. How much can you give? 
how much sacrifice are you willing to make to go in there, start from ground zero, get you know, rebuild, fire people. This is not, you know, you, you know it's gonna take years. It's gonna take years of you bearing the weight of moving this thing in the right direction. And and maybe this isn't the time for that. You know, maybe you're about done. You, you're 53 years old, you've been doing this for 17 years. Maybe it's time that you wanna spend some more time with your family, or you wanna focus on some other things in life. You wanna keep shoot fighting and get better at that or whatever. You could have that attitude. You could have the attitude that right now, hey, your son's now in the Royal Marines, you're getting a little bit older, you don't wanna spend all your time pursuing you know, something like grappling, so here's an opportunity for you to really help out and make a difference. I, I don't know where you're at, right? I don't know where you're at, but that is something you need to absolutely do is do a true, honest assessment of yourself and see what kind of sacrifices you're willing to make, what sacrifices your family, like your wife, maybe this is the first time, now you got that other school up and running smooth, now you get to come home for dinner every night and you're sitting down and having a nice meal and that's awesome. And now all of a sudden you're saying, hey hon, you can forget about that for the next three to five years while I deal with this new school, bad leadership, the whole nine yards. the ego piece, I, I, I'm not too worried about that. Like, should I work with being risking being a school associated with a failing school? Look, there is there a risk there? Sure, there is. To me, the risk out the reward outweighs the risk. You're going into a tough situation. Everyone knows it's a tough situation. Chances are, if it's doing that bad, you're going to make some level of improvement. And look, if you're not up, if that's scaring you, that's an indicator to me that you're probably not ready to make the sacrifice. I look at a scenario like this and I go, oh, hell yeah. And if I'm not saying, oh, hell yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. You know, I get thrown some kind of a problem. Like, you know, when I when I show up to a SEAL team and they're like, hey, we got this platoon that's awesome. We got this platoon that's got some issues. Which one do you want? I'll take the one with some issues. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Uh, I like that. I don't know if you're, well, I don't know what you're thinking about that. So if it's playing into your mind like, oh no, I don't wanna be a part of a failing school, well, where's your confidence level? Uh, Hey, we got a school, we got problems, I've already squared away one school, I understand these leadership principles, I know that they work, but let's bring it on. So don't be scared about the ego challenge, but be be honest with yourself and don't overcommit to something that you're not ready for. You're, you you know, the kids deserve better. You know, here's a, a minor example. I used to coach MMA all the time. I used to go and coach fighters and train fighters and go and corner fighters, the whole nine yards. And at a certain point, I just didn't have the time and I didn't, it wasn't fair to a fighter to say, yeah, I'll be your guy. Because I wasn't gonna be able to be there for them on a regular basis to train them and get them ready and then go in the corner. The, The fighters deserve better. In this case, the school, if you're not gonna be able to give the school everything it needs to fix it, then that should be a hesitation. That being said, if you're that squared away of a leader, there's a chance that you being there even in a limited capacity can be highly beneficial. So going back to the word with, are there some options here? Can you be a mentor? Can you be an advisor? Can you be a part-time guy that comes over and helps out with their meetings? Uh, That's what I would look at. Are there some other options, some iterative options that allow you to continue to work with your school that you're in and yet provide some oversight to this other school. Maybe that's an option. Maybe you're like, hey, you know what? 
I hear you, Jocko. And you know what? I am ready for a challenge. I'm 53 years old. I've squared away one school. I've had a huge impact on these kids that have been dealt a bad hand. I'm going to help some more. Mm. And boom, you go for it. These are questions that only you can answer. Uh, think through the decision. You know what will help is it's as lame as it might sound, pros and cons, and maybe not necessarily pros or con- pros and cons, but what will what will you get out of this? What will you put into it? And write these things down so that you can detach from them, and you know you can make a more analytical, logical decision, not based on emotions. Not totally. You can't throw emotions out. Because if you receive like huge gratification from helping kids out, and that's a huge part of your life, man, this is an all-day decision. Yeah, do this, do this every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Don't be scared of the challenge, but don't be careless jumping into the challenge. Mm. Right? The little dichotomy in play. Because we all need challenges, right? But at what point is a challenge good as a, and at what point is a challenge detrimental? Like when you, when you say, oh, you know what? I really want to get my, uh, my master's degree in whatever. Yeah. So now you're working your full-time job. You're missing kids' games. You're, doing, you know, you're, you're missing your workouts. Your health is going downhill. You got the master's degree in three years, but you're totally out of shape. You haven't seen your kids. Like it's a disaster. So at what point is a challenge actually detrimental? So weigh those things out. Write them down. Talk about it with your family. That's an important piece of this. Make sure they understand what commitments are being made, what it means for them. I mean, look, I jump out. Oh, hey, babe. Or hey, hey, chief, I'll go on another deployment tomorrow. My wife's like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm. You know? So you got you to gotta bring the rest of the family into this decision so that they're on board with whatever decision you make mm. or whatever decision you all make as a team. Lots of stuff to weigh out, man, but sounds like you're doing an awesome thing in the world, taking care of these kids that, that as you say, have been dealt a tough hand and you're bringing them some level of joy and productivity in their lives. So thank you for what you're doing. It's awesome. And if you continue to do it, that's great. If you've done your part and you're going to focus on yourself, I get it. Yeah, that, that makes it a little bit harder even, right? Because there's that additional, um, like, attraction to the, the job. Because this scenario is in its core is kind of seems like a common scenario where, you know, I'm think, they, they want to promote me, mm-hmm. you know, to this thing. Yep. I'm happy here. Like, we heard, mm-hmm. you know, people ask you that question all the time. Like, I like working with the grunts or I like yep. working with my team. Now they want me to be the supervisor or the manager or whatever. So you got to, it's kind of the same thing, essentially. I want to move jobs, take on like this different responsibility or whatever. Like, is it worth it? What should I do kind of a thing? And but that's then, a question that only the person in the shoes can answer, but they have to answer it by asking themselves the honest answer, the earnest questions and giving themselves honest answers. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got, in this case, case that, that additional, like doing stuff for kids is like, man, how, like it's, it's yep. irrefutable, you yep. know, like you should do it, you know? Um, as far as in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know, yep. compared to not or whatever, um, in, in a lot of cases, but um, especially yeah, kids that are it. having major issues, you know, yeah. and were born with a, with a, a, a tough hand mm-hmm. and there's only so many people that have the patience and the wherewithal and the, and the, uh, heart mm-hmm. to get that done. Yeah, true. So good on you, man. Yeah. 
Well, second part of the question is. Oh, that's right. There's another part to this question. Yep. Going going into a new setting as a leader where things are so bad. Do you have any further tips on how to swiftly prioritize? How you like that? He's got kind of. He's already leaning towards what his answer. He's like, yeah, you know what? (laughs) I think I'm done. I think I can help out. Um, And you know, look, man. You ever hear about people that they retire from their job and they die? No, I, mean, I don't mean to laugh, but the way you said it. It, it, like, it happens in the military. Like that, it huh? happens in the civilian sector. Yeah. People, they work their whole life. They retire from their job and they die. Oh, shit. And and part of it is because they, for lack of a better way of saying it, they don't have anything to live for anymore. I guarantee Mm-mm. I guarantee so many people, when they just heard me say that, they're like, oh, yeah, my grandfather. Oh, yeah, my, you know, my, my wife's dad, my wife's uh, mom. Yeah, she worked at this place for 28 years, and when she finally retired, she just sat around for a little while, and then she died. She just didn't have any. That happens. Mm. So that this could be one of those scenarios where it's like, hey, he's 53 years old, mm. and 53, man, you got a lot of my, you got a lot of miles ahead of you. Mm. If you're taking it in that frame of mind, you're like, I fixed this school in 10 years. I could get this one and another one in my under the belt. Yeah. So he's already down for the cause, actually. And we probably just fired him up by saying that. <laughs> uh, going into a new setting as a leader where things are so bad, do you have any further tips on how to swiftly prior? Okay, so here's a couple things. If there are some some small things that will have impact that don't take a lot of effort, just execute on those little things. Execute on those little things. Uh, we bought that factory down in North Carolina. Yeah. Almost immediately, little thing, Pete put in new lighting in the factory in the factory new like super bright led lighting Mm -hmm. and it's a little thing but all of a sudden you walk in there and it's all bright you know imagine you're sewing which means you're staring at like a little needle and thread all day and it's dim oh yeah so it's a little thing that all of a sudden people oh and now all of a sudden it makes things look a little bit cleaner and it also identifies areas that are dirty so you jump in and clean up those areas all of a sudden places looking cleaner so it's a little thing that you can do very quickly that has a pretty big impact. And it actually is one of those, that's a thing that is a material change that doesn't cost you any leadership capital whatsoever, right? You haven't you haven't made anyone do anything. All you've done is benefit them. Mm-hmm. So anything that you can change that kind of helps out, mm-hmm. any kind of scheduling change, any kind of you know uh, environmental changes that you can make, those are really good. Mm-hmm. There's also some simple kind of material changes that you can make that this is something I've been talking about lately because from a cultural perspective, right? Mm-hmm. If I say, hey, Echo, you know, I, I take over the job and I say, hey, Echo, you know, we're gonna paint this room, you know, our 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 colors, mm-hmm. you know, our Jocko podcast colors, it's gonna be red and black and, and gray and that's what we're gonna do and we're gonna hang a sign up on the door that says, welcome to Jocko podcast. Mm-hmm. And those things are kind of like, can be perceived as, oh, it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit cheesy, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. Yep, it, that is true. And I I would sort of lean in that direction too, like, oh, and we've, we actually said it, Echelon Front, we'd say like, hey, it's not what you wrote, it's not the slogan that you write on the wall. You've heard yeah. me say that, you've heard Leif say that. Yeah. Hey, it's not the slogan that you write on the wall, it's not the signs that you put up. But guess what? Hmm. It actually, those things have an impact. Hmm. Little material changes. Let me give you an example. Hmm. Speaking of David Hackworth, mm-hmm. what did he do when he took over? Fox Company in the Korean War. He changed the name to Fighter Company. Mm. He just changed the name. What about when he took over the 439th Battalion in Vietnam? 
They were called the Hard Luck Battalion. What did he do? He changed the name. He changed the name to Hardcore Battalion. And then you know what he did? He gave out little patches to sew on your uniform. Hardcore Condo. And he made that little slogan, that little salutation. The enlisted guys would see the officer and they'd say, Hardcore Recondo, and the officer would say, no fucking slack. And that was the rule. <laughs> and you might think, oh. And he even says it. He says, oh, you know, in the book, he says, oh, people thought that kind of cheesy <laughs> at first. <laughs> yeah. So what can you do when you show up and you make little changes? Well, oh, guess who else stole that? Me. Yeah. Oh, this is Tasking to Bravo. No, now it's Tasking to Bruiser. Oh, by the way, we're all going to look the same. By the way, we're all. So it's like those little things. So. What little material changes can you make that will help? Now, now we, when you get to the substantive changes that you're gonna make, like, hey, we need to do this process quick, uh, different. The way we're meeting for lunch is not working, it's too chaotic, there's too many kids in there at once, we're gonna break it up into you know, two different periods, whatever, we're kinda like, okay, now we got some changes, mm. don't try and change everything at once. Right? Think of, okay, which one of these is gonna have good impact? It's gonna take the least amount of leadership capital. Make allies, make friends, ask questions, listen to what people have to say, listen to what they have to say, ask earnest questions. Let the change come from the troops. When you say, hey, instead of saying, hey, you know what? It's too chaotic during lunch period. Everyone's in there at the same time. It's too noisy, it's too crazy. From now on, we're gonna separate it into three different periods. No. Instead, you say, hey, it seems really chaotic in here during lunchtime. Is there anything that we could do to make this less chaotic? And somebody's gonna say, well, what if we broke up the group a little bit? And you say, oh, that sounds like a great idea. How many sessions should we have? And maybe someone says two, and maybe someone says four, and maybe someone says three, and you say, well, what do y'all think would be the best? Seems like three would work for me, but I'm good with it. And it doesn't really matter whether you do two, four, three. If you do two and it works pretty good, maybe you can go three. Mm -hmm. But you let the idea come from them. And then you're allowing you to be influenced by them and then they will be more open to being influenced by you. So if you do that, you make these small iterative changes, you listen for the feedback, you ask them questions, you ask them about the feedback. What do you think? How do you think it's working? We, we, we got two groups now coming in for lunch. Does that seem to be effective? Is that working out well? Is there anything, what else can we do? And you actually listen to what they have to say. And over time, you can move this in the right direction. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna copy Hackworth for the millionth time. Do it. <laughs> and uh, thanks for what you do over there, helping these kids out. Yeah. Next question. Four, four part question about character development. Uh, <clears throat> what are your- Let's go one at a time. We'll go one at a time. What do we got? Okay, so the first one is, what are your ambitions for your character? Okay, uh, actually, a simple way to, to talk through this is when I think about characters and values, I think about what I wrote in the Way of the Warrior Kid book series mm -hmm. and putting together the Warrior Kid code and referencing other codes in there. Uh, here's the Way of the Warrior Kid character development. Here's what, here's what I wanted my kids to have for character. And you gotta remember, these are simplified, and these are for kids. But if you extrapolate out what these mean to an adult, 
that's what I'm talking about. A warrior kid wakes up earlier in the morning. What does that imply? It implies discipline, it implies schedule, it means st- getting out of your comfort zone. Warrior kid studies to learn and gain knowledge and ask questions if he doesn't understand. What does that imply? It implies humility. It implies an open mind to try and learn. The warrior kid trains hard, exercises, and eats right to be strong and fast and healthy. Yes. Is that part of character? Yes, it is. Is it easy to train hard? No, it's not. Is it easy to exercise every day? No, it's not. Is it easy to eat right all the time? No, it's not. So we are going to develop our character to be able to withstand the impact of hard training. The warrior kid trains to know how to fight so he can stand up to bullies and protect the weak. Well, a whole bunch of things embody that. The character of a person that's not a bully but actually fights against bullies. That's a beautiful characteristic to have protecting people that can't protect themselves. The warrior kid treats people with respect, doesn't judge them, and helps out others whenever possible. What kind of a character do you wanna have? Treat people with respect, don't judge. Help other people out whenever possible. There you go. The warrior kid keeps things neat and is always prepared and ready for action. Look, are we talking about cleaning your room? Sure. Are we talking about making your bed? Sure. Are we talking about being prepared as a human being? The warrior kid stays humble and stays calm. Warrior kids do not lose their tempers. So that means we want to be a character that has control over our emotions. We want to be a, 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 have the characteristic of humility. The warrior kid works hard, saves money, and is frugal, doesn't waste things, and always does his best. Okay. Hard work. It's a characteristic I definitely aspire to. Doing my best in everything I do. That's a characteristic I definitely aspire to. Being frugal, not being a big spender, wasting a bunch of money on everything. And the last one is, I am the warrior kid and I am a leader. So, want to have the characteristic where we don't mind stepping up and leading. And so that's the warrior kid code and that certainly is a, like a rudimentary six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old person get those characteristics and they formulate the senior characteristics that you would want as an adult. And I put a bunch of other character traits in the first book. I took them from a bunch of other warrior codes throughout history from the SEAL code. I talked about loyalty, honor, integrity, responsibility, the never quit attitude from the Viking laws. Be brave and aggressive. Be prepared. Grab all opportunities. Do not promise what you can't keep. Ask for advice. Again, these are all in the warrior kid book. All great characteristics for a person to have. From the, Ranger, from the Ranger Creed, uphold the prestige, honor, and esprit de corps. Be ready to move farther, faster, and fight harder than any other soldier. I will always keep myself mentally alert, physically strong, and morally straight. I will display intestinal fortitude. What great characteristics for humans to have. The Navy and Marine Corps, values of honor, courage, and commitment. The US Army warrior ethos, I will never quit. I'll never f- leave a fallen comrade behind. There's more, but these are I'm highlighting some of them. The Bushido Code, compassion, respect, honor, honesty, and sincerity. Sincerity, great characteristics. Duty and loyalty, incredible characteristics. So when I answer that question, that's what I, the easiest way for me to do it is to talk about the way the warrior kid and the characteristics that I wove throughout the story because they're characteristics that I have ambitions towards and that I would want my kids and other kids to be raised with and adults to behave with. So 
That's question number one. So question number two. Who are the five closest people to you that have shaped your character? And what have they contributed? Um, you know, who had one person that had a huge impact on me that I talked about leadership strategy and tactics, the guy that I called Delta Charlie, and what he taught me, what he contributed to me, was to remain humble at all times. Uh, Hackworth, clearly, I didn't ever know him. I can't say I was close to him, but he has had a massive, probably the biggest impact on me as a person, just in, in leadership, period. So that's what he contributed. He contributed to me understanding and wanting to take care of the team and wanting to, when required, step up and be able to lead in a way that isn't leading for me, but is leading for the troops. Uh, I had a friend named Alton Lee Grizzard, who was uh, one of my assistant platoon commanders. He was killed in 1993, but man, he was fun, and we had a we had a really good time, and enjoyed life. And when he was killed, it taught me. It contributed to me the characteristic of the clock is ticking, and you got to make sure that you that you enjoy life. And then, I guess the last people I would say, speaking of leadership strategy and tactics book, uh, the dedication in that book. I'll just read it. It says, this book is dedicated to the men of SEAL Team 3 tasking a bruiser who taught me how to lead, especially Mark Lee, who taught me the value of life, Mikey Monsoor, who taught me the meaning of sacrifice, Ryan Job, who taught me true perseverance, Chris Kyle, who taught me about devotion to duty, and Seth Stone, my brother, who taught me about loyalty and friendship and never let me down, ever. So those individuals have had a huge impact on me and I think about them every day. Next question. Do you actively seek out relationships with people who improve your character and inspire you? I, I, no, I mean, I, I can't say that I actively seek out people that I think will improve my character. That seems like a look out, like I'm looking for a, a, a one-sided bargain, right? Like, oh, I'm, yeah. like I'm going to latch on to somebody that's going to, that's going to make help me. Uh, so I don't really do that. I think I just end up hanging out with people based, based through some level of mutual attraction to their personality. They seem like a good person. You know, as you get to know them, there's bonds develop, and and that's what I do. But I don't go around like trying to hang out with people. I don't know. That seems a little mm-hmm. weird. Is that weird? Uh, yeah, especially when you put it like that. Yeah, I like when it's. I, I'm, I'm I'm reframing this in a negative way a little bit. I think by accident or in, in uh, not on purpose. Yeah. So so I get yeah. I'm you. I think you're right. I think that. Depends on what you mean yeah. by do you seek out relationships? I don't know. It sounds pretty straightforward. Like, it sounds like mm-hmm. if it's like, hey, that guy, Jim, 
yeah. Smith or whatever. Like he he seems like a good guy to be friends with. I'm gonna go try to be friends with him, and yeah. then you go and now you're hanging around more, and maybe you look up. Oh, he likes basketball. I'm gonna start playing basketball too to sort of so be right. his friend. So we're both saying this in a weird. That's way. That's what it feels like. Yeah, but a, a, I, uh, I guess if I see someone that's kicking ass, I might try and hang out with them because they're kicking ass, right? I mean, uh, here's a here's a, just a stupid example. If I'm training jujitsu and I see you jacking people up, I want to roll with you because yeah. you're going to make me better. Yeah. And so I guess you could apply that to, you know, anything. If I see someone that's doing well, like, hey, hey, nice to meet you. It looks like you're kicking ass. I, yeah. I guess that's that seems cool. I guess, yeah. But it's like one of those things where, they, again, depends on what he means because you bring up jujitsu. That's like a. It's weird because you meet a lot of friends through jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all there for jujitsu. You see a guy, he rolls good. He'd be a great training partner. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I think that just gets you initially close to him, you know, yeah. in a way, like gets you past maybe like, I don't know, some barrier or something like this. But there are good training. Pri- I'm sure you have a lot of mm-hmm. good training partners who you won't necessarily want to yeah. hang out with. You know? I would say that. Because I try to, I try to think of a different environment. Because you're right, jujitsu is a weird example. Yeah. Because like, you might not, you might want to roll with someone, but you wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with them. But if I was in a SEAL platoon, and there was a guy that was really good, I think I would be not. Here's the difference. I think he's saying actively seek out. I would. I don't think I would actively seek it out. I think my subconscious would yeah. be like, dude, Echo's a badass. I want to go hang out with that guy. Yeah, yes. Hey man, what are you doing? You wanna you wanna work out after work or hey you wanna go shooting or hey can you review this thing with me? Just it wouldn't be like, hey, I'm gonna try yeah. to get better. It'd be like, hey, bro, this guy's got some knowledge I wanna I want to partake in. Yeah. So yeah, it is kind of like a great like a hazy line. There's no yeah, it usually like happens like any friendship though, it's like it just happens naturally kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But So yes, I guess I I don't actively sink it out, but I think I subconsciously would. I I think I think we I think I am subconsciously attracted to someone that is that is of high character. And look, you can meet some people that have high character, but they're dorks, right? (laughs) Yeah. So you know, like there's there's like someone just a dork. It doesn't mean you know. Oh, I'm going to hang out with Echo. He's over there. Being a dork, right? <laughs> I'm gonna hang sure. out with you because you're cool. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta do a little bit of assessment, the sure. dork assessment. Yeah. You know, you might be peeking out my meter over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I think you're right. I think there is a, a like a line, a fine line that, because you know how, you know how like I don't know, you move to a new state, and this happens with dating a lot, mm-hmm. from what I understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dating right now, so. Uh, or friends like let's say, oh, I'm I'm in a new town. I need to make some friends to hang out with. Now I go actively. I join a church or mm-hmm. I join a jujitsu thing for the for the active like the per the front right. running purpose of making friends. Mm-hmm. Not join jujitsu because shoot, I want to learn jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Sure, that'd be cool. But I'm there to, to make friends first. Yes. You know, there's it's there's it's different. You know, weird, yeah. Versus, oh, I'm gonna go to go take some jujitsu and then oh, I happen to meet all my friends yeah. in jujitsu. Although it's weird because if someone's like, hey, I just moved to if we if someone asked a question, hey, I just moved to a new town. I don't know anybody. What do you recommend? I'd be like, go to, go start training jujitsu. Yep, I would. Yeah, and, but and, that's because it's such. Such an like a common secondary mm. um, effect of yeah. jujitsu is like you meet a bunch oh, of, yeah. uh, and I, th- I don't think because only cool people take jujitsu. 
even though that's debatable, but <laughs> I don't think that it's that. I think that so many different types of people join jujitsu. Yeah. You're bound to come across yeah, and, and talk to somebody. You're going to meet a down. surfer. You're going to meet a computer yeah. dork. You're going to meet a salesperson. You're going to yeah. meet a firefighter. You're going to meet a marine. You're going to meet everybody. Exactly right. And you and you already automatically have a common shared interest. interest. Yeah, and it's a big one too. Yeah. You know? So the, so the, so yes, there's a fine line. Or when dating, you know how like. And look, man, approach dating however you want. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it at the end of the day. But when someone's like, oh, I'm like lonely or or I need to find a, a man if they're trying to date me. Or I would imagine if a guy's like, I need to find a, a girl. Mm -hmm. And that's like you can kind of smell it on them. Like, oh, they, they just want a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. They don't care if it's me or, or anyone else within this like realm of acceptability. It's like it doesn't come as attractive as far as the scenario goes it's usually like oh you're kind of around somebody and like oh yeah that person's whatever mm -hmm. you know like i like them or whatever yeah check but yeah feels like it well okay so bottom line is let's let's just say hey you should definitely if you're gonna make friends with people try and make friends with people that are cool and and give you some level of moving in the right direction in life yeah. Don't hang around. Don't go. You know, you see someone. You're walking down the street, and you see someone over in a corner on a crack pipe. This is not your friend, <laughs> right? This is not what you're doing. You, you know, don't. and even like if you see someone that's just doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, like like hey, stay away from those people. They're not going to help you. Yeah. Um, if you see someone that's doing something cool, you're walking through the park, and you see someone that's freaking out there swinging a kettlebell. And you're like, hey, bro, what are you doing? Like, I come out here every Saturday and get after it. Oh, man, you mind if I join you? I got a little 32 at home. Let's rock and roll. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they got what? One more question here. Yep. If you if you have a limited circle of friends and associates, what are some ways to promote growth of character and, and challenge existing thoughts? Well, there's like a there's a, a quote from Marcus Aurelius, which is like, uh, "Don't waste time arguing about what a good man should be. Be one." Mm. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of that. Like, I'm not sitting around and thinking about like, okay, well, what, what can I do to promote my growth? Right? Yeah. I, I'm I'm doing things that promote my growth. Right? What am I doing? Uh, do hard things. You know, do what you're supposed to do. Be disciplined. Get up early. Work out. Work out every day. Do hard workouts. Learn. Read. Do jujitsu. Help other people. Like all these things, you want to build your character. These are what these are what you're going to do. I don't have to sit around and think of that. I don't have to uh, uh, form ways to promote growth of character. Go and train. Go and go for a long run. Push yourself. Talk. Uh, challenge yourself to read and discuss or write a report to your friends about what you learn. like do things mm. i don't think there's a mystery there i don't think there's a mystery if you want to improve yourself you've got to you got to put yourself in the fire mm. and then into the ice and then you got to hammer it a little bit and then you got to put yourself in the fire and then you got to hammer it and then you got to put yourself in the ice and the fire and ice and hammer and the fire and ice and hammer that's what you got to do if you want to grow your character existing thoughts man hey Open your mind. Actually, all you have to do for that one is just say, hey, I'm probably wrong about this thing that I believe. Yeah. You know, I did that podcast with Dave Burke. He freaked out about it. Good deal, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, don't believe don't believe everything you believe. Yeah. 
And he was like, oh, that was good. Because it's true. Yep. You believe, just, you believe something. Don't believe everything you believe. That's a really great piece of advice. And that's what I would do in order to, what's the word here? Challenge my existing thoughts. Don't believe everything you believe. Yeah. Truly ask yourself, am I right or wrong? Truly ask yourself, is there a better way to do this? Truly ask yourself, what am I missing? Mm. That's my recommendation on character. Emphasis on truly. You know how like oh, you, yeah. you know how sometimes oh, you subconsciously are like convinced of your thing, oh, and then you're yeah, like, "Er, watch, watch me, uh, yeah. ask myself." Go, 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 uh, uh, go ahead and tell me, Echo. Yeah, Gee, what's your yeah, opinion? Yeah. When I just don't, I'm listening to anything you say. So yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, also, I would add mm-hmm. from experience. Okay. Now, okay. Right. Pay attention. Pay attention to your friends, good and bad. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know how like. I guess they say when you're a young t- teenager or whatever, like yep. you, the, your influence from your parents becomes less and less, and it's more bit from your, the influence of your the people you hang out with. So, th- with that, what I gather and what I've seen and experienced is mm-hmm. is kind of like I pay attention, yeah, but not to like not actively paying attention for the for many reasons, but one of the reasons specifically for challenging my own mm-hmm. thoughts and my own growth, right? I just basically go with the flow a lot of the time. And a lot of us do that when we're young or hanging out with friends, right? But you know how like, um, okay, so you, for example, you work, wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I could have, and I'm not saying I fully do it or fully don't do it, but this is an example of me paying attention where like, okay, Doc wakes up at 4.30 in the morning. He said, why, why does he do that? Oh, I'm paying attention to why he does it. Okay, so slowly I'll be like, okay, I'll be... I'm gonna be honest. When I first started knowing that mm. you wake up four thirty in the morning, work out, do that or whatever, I was like, bro, that's <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> Literally, never do that. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I pay attention, and you know, I'm kind of around, and I'm like, okay, you know, you talk about this benefit, and and then all these other things that happen, you know, that kind of are, are are things kind of to aspire to. It kind of starts to make more sense if you pay attention. Don't just write it off as yeah. that's him. I'm me. We're different. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you, again, you pay attention, that that can do both of these challenge existing thoughts and um, mm-hmm. promote growth. Similar thing, you probably heard me talk about this before, but the mob mentality, right? Your group, your friend group is a mob, yeah. right? You're a mob, you're all thinking like, oh, we're doing jujitsu, oh, we're doing Muay Thai, oh, we're doing, we're gonna go and do, uh, you know, to this party, we're gonna drink, we're gonna go and chase girls tonight, you know, like you get the mob mentality. Yeah. And as a leader, it is incumbent upon a leader to always check the direction of the mob. The mob might be right, yeah. but the mob might be wrong. And as a leader, you gotta detach enough that you can see. It's the same thing that you're saying. You're saying pay attention, I'm saying detach. Because if the mob's like, hey, we're training jiu-jitsu, we're gonna train every day, you're like, okay, uh, wait a second. Is that smart, does that make sense? Yeah, actually, that's a good thing, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're gonna start wrestling on on Thursdays and Fridays as well. Oh, okay. Does that seem like, oh yeah, that seems like a good thing. Oh, hey, every Saturday night from now on, we're gonna go get blitzed. It's gonna be so fun. And you're like, uh, you know, hey, is that really gonna help us? Mm-hmm. Maybe one night a week, you know, it's not that bad. We'll bond, we're young, we wanna meet some females out there. Let's sure. go. Yeah. It, might, it might make sense. But all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're gonna do Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so, now you gotta start the mobs going and that mob's going. Yeah. And you as a leader have to step back and say, hey, maybe that's not the best thing. Yeah. And then you got to guide that mob. Mm-hmm. Not by saying, hey, you guys are stupid, but by saying, hey, I think I'd rather I think I'd rather on Friday night we do an extra Muay Thai class so we got a little bit of extra skills. And then we can go out for a little while, but we don't have to be like ruining our Saturday by being all hungover like a bunch of idiots. Who's with me? And people are kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds good. 
So be careful <laughs> of that mob mentality. Makes sense. Uh, next question. Yeah, let's go next question. As a civilian, I do my best to emulate a military mindset into my responsibilities in my position. That being said, when you are working with coworkers who do not have the same mentality, how do you handle coworkers and or leadership who refuse to take initiative and who do not hold the team accountable for their actions when it has been addressed multiple times? Many thanks for the opportunity. Well, yeah, when I'm in that situation, what I do is I try and figure out where I am failing as a leader, as a peer, and as a subordinate. So when my leaders and team are all messed up and they don't take initiative and they're not holding people accountable, I try and figure out what I'm doing wrong, where I am failing. That's what I try and figure out. I can probably guess that I'm not communicating very well. I'm certainly not getting the message across. Things have been addressed multiple times and no one gets it. That is my fault. If I tell Echo something 19 times and he doesn't get it, guess what? I'm not communicating clearly. There's something wrong with me. So I need to maybe use the indirect approach or maybe I used to need to use a slightly more direct approach or maybe I need to ask some earnest questions and try and figure out what's really happening because I keep saying the same thing to Echo and it doesn't change what he's doing. So why is that? Is there something that I don't know? Is there something that I don't understand about his job or his level of the job where he keeps doing the same thing because what I'm telling him to do doesn't make sense. And I don't have a good enough relationship with him where he can actually tell me, hey, Jocko, you know what? It doesn't make sense to do it this way because of the following things, A, B, and C. So when I'm looking at a situation like this, I'm not looking at them and thinking what's wrong with them. I'm thinking what's wrong with me. What do I do? If I've got people that don't take initiative, I'm probably stifling their initiative in some way. I'm not giving them ownership like I should. If they're not being held accountable for things, they probably don't even understand why it is necessary for those to do those things because I haven't done a good job explaining the why so that they understand if they don't do the things that they're supposed to be doing, how it's gonna crush the team and therefore crush them. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take ownership. I'm gonna take extreme ownership of the situation and I'm gonna get the problem solved. Now, I hate to say this, but I gotta say it, because this is probably what you're thinking. You're probably thinking that you are actually with a group where it's the .0001% of the population in the world that don't wanna do well. They don't want to succeed. They don't want to their lives to be better. They don't want to advance. They don't want to get promoted. They don't want to make more money. They are just, they just want to fail. They don't care. They don't want control over their own destiny. That's one right there. That's what, that's what, there's the amount of people that say, you know what, I just don't want any control over my own destiny. I don't want that. I just, I don't care about any of that. I just want to be told nine to five, you tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. And I don't care what you tell me. I'm gonna do the bare minimum. So is there a chance that this is that you've got some of the, these types of people on the team? There's a tiny chance that you might have one of them, maybe two of them at the most. And if that's the situation, then guess what? You gotta get rid of those people. Or you've gotta put them in a situation 
you don't necessarily have to get rid of them, but you got to put them in a situation where they're not going to negatively impact the rest of the team and where you can get what you can. Because at every organization, I got some stuff that needs to be done from nine to five and I don't really need a bunch of extra effort. And if, I, if Echo's reliable from nine to five and I can count on him to get that one menial task done, cool, do it. Echo, you got it, man. I'll check back with you in six months and see if you got any more into the job and see if you want to promote or see if you want to move up. Or if, if not, cool, you can keep doing that job. That's okay. I'll utilize you for what you're good at. So it is possible that you do have someone on the team that, you know, just doesn't have the mentality. The people's mentality that you work with is a reflection of your mentality. This is what makes extreme ownership so hard. This is the challenge of extreme ownership. You're out there emulating the military mindset and thinking that the military mindset is, oh, everyone should be held accountable is wrong. Thinking that the military mindset is, hey, you need to shut up and do what I tell you to do is wrong. Thinking that the military mindset means, oh, that means everyone should act like me and they should know to do that intuitively is wrong. You want people to take initiative, you need to train them to take initiative. You need to, you need to encourage them to take initiative. And when they don't take it, you need to understand why. So is it possible that you've got this tiny percentage that you're the guy that got these people that are a bunch of slugs? Yes, but it's highly unlikely. The chances are they just need to be led. And that includes your leadership, that includes your peers, and that includes your subordinates. Everyone on your team needs to be led. And if you do that, you'll see them start to move in the right direction. Get the book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. Because I mean, this, that, that, the whole book is about that, this, this issue. There's all kinds of answers to all these questions in here. So, look, I know I'm going a little hard in the paint on you, <laughs> right? But you, when you typed that question, you didn't think through it. It's a little bit of an accusatory thing about the team not being, to not take an initiative. They refuse to take initiative. Refuse. And people that don't refuse to take initiative and do not hold the team accountable. It didn't say, hey, Jonko, I'm having a hard time getting my team to take initiative. What do you think I'm doing wrong? And I've also got a team that doesn't do the correct actions even when I've addressed it. How do you think I'm failing to convey the importance of these actions to them? Instead, despite the military mindset, it's a question of disownership. I just went harder in the paint. Yes, you did. <laughs> Listen, man, that's what it's all about. Hey, I have been asked this frame, this this vein of question 10,000 times mm-hmm. from people that were like, hey, I love extreme ownership. I love the dichotomy of leadership. I've read leadership strategy and tactics. I've listened to every single one of your podcasts. Can you please help me? Because my team is all jacked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't be mad at me. Instead, be humble and say, oh, dang, yep, I got caught. That's right. I got caught. I'm glad I got caught. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna point this ownership at myself and I'm gonna see what, how I can get it fixed. Yeah, a rough one, man. I'll say this from experience. This is just a small misstep, and it's natural. Yep, it's that's why I said I've answered this question, this vein of question. I've answered ten thousand times. You've yeah. probably heard me answer it three hundred times at the muster. Yes. Oh yeah, and you guys have a good thing uh, at the muster about um, firing people. 
and you know you say a lot of great stuff obviously but one of the things about this pertaining to this is um the, the word accountable you know mm-hmm. accountable <laughs> oh well what do you really mean by that you, they need to be punished right like punished in some way mm-hmm. reprimanded um let know that you know you're not doing the right thing or whatever however you guys say it you know way more eloquently than me but this accountable is they need to be punished and then you say Usually. Accountability is a crutch. Yeah, it's accountability, <laughs> but it's punished, right? Most people don't need to be punished. They yeah. need to be led. Yeah. They need to be trained. They need to be helped. They need to be like all these other yeah. things before being held accountable. If you have to hold somebody accountable, you've already made 47 mistakes already, as a leader. Already made mistakes. Because, so, yeah, how, you know, if I was like, Echo, did you, hey, Echo, did you put, this, did you put the, the cards inside the cameras and thing and the, and the recorder? Did you put the, the SD cards in there? Let me inspect it. And I had to hold you accountable every single time. Like, that's just dumb. Hmm. If you understood the importance of the cards, you understood the importance of what, if we have to redo these recordings, what it's going to do to our time frame, what it's, how it's going to negatively impact all of us. You're like, hey, you don't need to check me every time, bro. Yeah. I got it. Got it. It's true. So accountability is just a, a, it's a tool, but it's a crutch. You shouldn't have to rely on it. Again, yeah. all this is in Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. Go get it. This is like an obvious one. Well, it clicked to me as an obvious one with kids, with your kids, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I thought I told you after school, every day you take out the trash. Every day. I thought I told you. And then mm-hmm. they get scolded for forgetting mm-hmm. or for, you know, whatever. So there are many things you can do to help them remember. And they're, you know, all kinds of reinforcements. Train, you know, uh, show them how mm-hmm. or whatever. Reminders. Mm-hmm. Reminders is a big one. Because let's face it, when you're 13 years old, or whatever, however, however old, bro, you forget all that kind of stuff. But if you get reminded, yeah. taught the importance and you, and of it. And you understand why yeah, you're doing it. exactly right. But you'd be surprised how quick they fall in, fall in line. There you go. So, there you go, man. All good, man. All good. Don't be mad. Just be humble and be like, oh, yeah. God, it's a good lesson. And in a year, two years, you're going to be having the same conversation with someone else on your team. Mm. They're going to say, well, I don't know what's wrong with my team. And you're going to go, hey, man, yeah. really? Yeah. No bad teams, only bad leaders. Let's talk. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's all good, man. <laughs> See what you're saying. Uh, okay, this next question here is funny because this, this is one I wanted to ask you kind of like, not necessarily for me. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's not for me at all, thankfully. But um, so this is interesting. Okay. Side note. All right. Hey, hi, Jocko. I just started to go to a new gym a couple months ago. I was focused on getting in shape and sorting out my life. I've made good progress in the last few weeks. I'm not uh, from here, so I don't know a lot of people in the small town USA, quote unquote. I have one workout partner and we work out almost every day together. Anyway, since starting to work out, I've began to date a girl who works out there too. She approached me and everything is going great and I really like her. She's quite pretty and social and fit, so she gets looks attention from other guys. Looks and attention from other guys. However, I'm having a serious I'm having serious trouble with a jealous ex boyfriend of hers who is bad mouthing me to everyone at the gym and and to her, spreading lies and attempting to ruin my reputation. He also bad mouths my workout partner. <laughs> Neither. This isn't part of the question I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you. I'm just this is a build up. Neither neither of us know this guy. He takes photos of my car in parking lots with females and randomly walking by and sending them to her and attempting to frame me for having <laughs> other girls in my car. He's always telling her he's not so he's got so much shit on me and is attempting to do anything he can to derail what we've got going on. He owes her quite a bit of money and she says this is the only reason she hasn't stopped all contact with him. He's always calling her, going to her job, and following us around, 
if we go for walks at the park, etc. How do I deal with, this is a question, how do I deal with a person who is attempting to ruin what I have going on? So how does your question? Uh, well, this? mine was like, actually, this is way more elaborate than whatever. Mine was just like, how do you deal with like, um, like jealous ex-boyfriends kind mm-hmm. of a thing? You know, like, because there's kind of two sides to it where you can take, totally take the high road, but like to what degree, you know, like if so they're what do you always doing say, it. Uh, well, you know, give me a minute. Look. You probably, I don't know. Tell them to wake up at four thirty in the morning. Well, in this situation, well, you just said, you know, you tell them to take the high. Of course, I'm going to tell you to take the high road. And, and listen, in a situation like that, you don't have to do much to a guy like this. A guy like this is ruining everything for himself. People see through this kind of trash, talking, this kind of trash attitude. People see jealousy. People see envy. People see crazy obsessions. They see it's so obvious, bro. It's obvious, and everybody's gonna see that. So don't get dragged down into it. It's matter of fact, when you drag yourself down, you're, you're, you're gonna be in the same shit that he's in. Look like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Look like you're, dude, like what, what are you, he's jealous, of course he's jealous of me. You know, I got a girlfriend, he doesn't have a girlfriend. Like, hey man, sorry, it didn't work out for you, good luck. You know, like, to be like, hey, you better back off, it's like, bro. You're making yourself look like an idiot. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, maintain the high high ground. You don't need to be negative about this guy. You can just kind of shrug your shoulders. And be, you know, when someone says, "Hey, Fred said that you were, you know, you you freaking can't even bench, you know, three hundred, and you can be Br- like, Br- yeah, "Hey, man, <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to work. Hey, Fred's right. I, I need to work on my bench. You know, like that's it. You know." Well, you don't say, well, you know, Fred, blah, blah, blah. No, you just go, yeah. Definitely need to work on my bench. Cool, mm-hmm. right? Yep. yep. Think of how, if you came to me and you said, hey, Jocko, I was talking to Dean. Dean said, you can't even bench 300. Mm. And I went, well, you know what? Dean, Dean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I said, well, you know what, Dean, I, I, I'd like to see Dean do, do run a four miles in 28 minutes. That guy's totally out of shape. I don't care what his bench is. Yep. Instead, if I go, if, if, and if, Versus if I said, yeah, man, definitely need to work on my bench. Like, who's the more secure alpha, for lack of a better word, because sure. we did no. that. Who's the, who's, sure. the, who's the more confident human? It's the one that's like, oh, yeah, definitely need to work on my bench. No factor. Yeah. Appreciate the feedback. All good. So don't be negative. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And, and this should, should, keyword fade. Now, there's something that you do need to be aware of. This doesn't mean you need to freak out about it, but you need to be aware of it. Is this dude actually a crazy person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is there a legitimate threat? Is, does this escalate? Like he's taking pictures of your car, like that's weird. Mm-hmm. So there's some indicators that he might, not, that he might have issues. Yeah. Most people, like you blow them off for a little while, you, you, you say, hey, yeah, man, I definitely need to work on my bench. Yeah, hey, you know, Jessica, I, yeah, I know she can be a little wild, but, you know, we're getting along right now, you know. You know if you just try and be nice and polite to people, eventually they realize they're not going to get anything out of you and they're going to move on to their next crazy obsession. Uh, but he might not, right? That's why I would definitely look at documenting some of what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. He's taking pictures. He's making some kind of threat. Save those things. Uh, make sure that he's not an actual threat. And if he starts to habitually cross the line, you might have to talk to him. 
and don't be emotional. You know, be talk to him from the high ground. Hey, listen, bud. Hey, man. I know that you and Jessica were together, and I get that. Um, I I know that you broke up, and I've been going out with her for a while. And look, it's nothing. It's no offense to you, but you, you, can you back off a little bit? Because it, it seems weird. It seems weird, and I'm just trying to you know carry on with my life and. If you could back off, that'd be cool. And see if he, you know, if you put some boundaries up. And he goes, what are you talking about? Man, I'm talking about the fact that you're texting her pictures of people, by girls by my car and accusing me of hooking up with other girls, which is crazy. So just do me a favor. Just like, just back off. And I, I understand there's some money you might owe her. And let's get that taken care of so we can move on. But so, so see where that goes. Now, if that doesn't work, you might have to escalate a little bit more, which is explaining that, hey man, if, if you don't back off, like I'm gonna actually talk to the authorities about what you're doing. This is harassment. Mm-hmm. And here's the, the, most likely it's not gonna come to that. And I'm not one of these, uh, what is it like, hey, you push me, I'm calling the cops, like that, you know, like that thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is, oh, that, that's kind of a weak way to go around your life. Like, hey, uh, you know, oh, you bumped into me. Now we're going to get in a fight. And I'm like, oh, call the cops, right? Mm-hmm. This is not that. This is not an emotional. This is a very unemotional, hey, man. Like, you've, you've talked to him twice. You've said, hey, here's the boundaries. And he's violating these boundaries. And you go, hey, listen, man. If you don't, like, st- stop doing this kind of stuff, I'm actually going to talk to the authorities because this is starting to be considered harassment. And I'm not going to let Jessica be harassed by you. And... Look, I don't care, really care what you do to me. It bothers me, but I'm not going to let you harass my girlfriend. So if you don't back off, I'm actually going to talk to law enforcement and take some legal ramifications. And here's what's, it shouldn't come to that, but if it does, then guess what? Legal action was actually required. You see what I'm saying? It's a test yeah. that the answer to the test is the solution. Yeah. So think about that. Hey, one more thing to think about. I got to throw this in there. No offense. Well, who is this girl? Like, what is she crazy? Mm-hmm. Does she have weird baggage? Are you the pawn that's getting played, getting manipulated, making this guy jealous? She likes that kind of drama in her life. Just, I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. He owes me money. Who owes me money? Right, mm-hmm. and you want to you you remember like you'd go out to a bar and there would be like the girl that would start you know get the get her boyfriend in fights all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you are a bouncer. You you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, didn't happen that often, but that's real. It's sure. a real thing. Yeah, like what are you looking at? Yeah. You know, Bobby, he's looking at me. You're like Bobby's like, oh God, here we go again, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is just check yourself, check Jessica, or whatever her name is. Make sure that she's not a drama person, and some of this isn't stemming from her. Like, it is weird she's still communicating with this dude. Okay, she, how much money? Be like, hey, dude, he owes you four hundred bucks. Here's four hundred bucks. Delete his delete his number. I got it. Yeah. You know, I'll pay his debt so that mm-hmm. you can just walk away from this idiot. And if she's like, no, I want it from him, then you're like, oh, I'm suspect. You see what I'm saying? Yes, so just check that. And pay att- you used this term earlier, I'm gonna use it again, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Don't be paranoid, but don't be naive. That's what I'm saying. High road, don't be paranoid, don't be naive. Yeah, naive. there's, um, that's interesting. That was, uh, I'm not surprised by anything you said. 
but the high road seems, um, you know, the, always the right play. It's always the right play and yet, from a strategic perspective. And it's a good reminder where, like, everyone sees what's going on. Everyone like, sees what's going on. Like this, that is probably one of the most profound things you can recognize. Yeah, is that everyone? Wait, let me. Everyone sees or is going to see what's going on. Yeah, and if you, if that person's acting like an idiot, look. Out of the gate, some people might be like, oh, yeah, Fred's right, you know, freaking Echo showed up here, and now he's dating Jessica, and that's kind of messed up. But then people are like, oh, they, they broke up yeah. before Echo even showed up here. Yeah. And by the way, that guy's in here like throwing weights around. You know what I mean? This yeah. guy's a dork. Yeah. And so people see the truth. The truth settles out, and it doesn't always settle out immediately. And it doesn't always settle out perfectly, but it settles out in a way that the truth is known. Mm-hmm. And if you have confidence in that, it gives you such power in life because mm-hmm. it, it allows you to it allows you to take your ego and gratify your ego by saying, "Hey, listen, to ego, it's going to be okay in the long term." Because your ego mm-hmm. wants gratification. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. She's mine. Yeah. No one's like, "No, hey, man, listen, I know you went out with her. It's all good. Yeah. You guys aren't going out anymore." So I started going out with her. <laughs> And that's the way. That's what's happening right now. Yep. Hey, I, I, I'm sure. Look, I can see by the look on your face. It doesn't bother you. I'm not trying to rub it in your face, mm-hmm. but y'all broke up, mm-hmm. and so let's just make some space. You know, I'm not. I'm not coming. To, I'm not going over the squat rack when you're in there. You stay away from the squat rack when I'm in there. How's that for a deal? Mm-hmm. Let's move on, man. Yeah. And if you can be cool and you can take the high ground, other people will eventually realize it. And you feel like, well, everyone's gonna think I'm a wimp. No, they're gonna think you're actually just smart. Yeah, and and you could probably figure that by just taking yourself detaching, mm. as you say. But take yourself out of that situation and put someone else in there. Yeah. Where like, let's say you, you, you'd be my friend. Like literally, let's say it was you. We were young. You mm. had a girlfriend, or whatever. Um, Wait, are you gonna get your ass beat right now? Uh, Hypothetically, well, I do. I do run that <laughs> risk, yes, sir. Uh, but um, if you're, you know, you and your girlfriend break up. Right. Let's mm-hmm. say the girlfriend's like just normal girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a psycho. She wasn't nothing like that. Just you and a, a good girl, normal, mm-hmm. dateable girl, whatever. You guys break up for whatever reason. And months later, we go to the gym. She's talking to this new guy and now she's dating him. And then you start bad mouthing her and the new guy to me like all the time, like all the time. Mm-hmm. And the new guy in this scenario takes the high ground. He's just like, oh, yeah, saying the stuff that yeah. you said. And he's acting like that. Probably even me, bias yeah. me yeah. Again, as against this guy as your friend. Yeah. I see what's going on. You're I'm like, like bro, Jocko, Jocko. Exactly. <laughs> You're looking like an idiot. Or bro. I might sign on to your thing like, hey, let me jump in the low ground with you. But now everyone now everyone sees you yeah. and your dumb friend doing yeah. dumb stuff. Like everyone sees that stuff. You yeah, know? Everyone sees, man. But I will say this. I think it might be the girl. Oh, so you're glad I threw that caveat yes, in there. Yes, I'm glad because I feel like that's that's the case a lot of the time with this drama. When there's drama going mm. on. A lot of times it's a girl, man, and not to say she means it because she's drama, but she allows a lot of the drama for whatever reason. I can't read no girl's mind, but like, you know how, here's a red flag. I'm hey, not, I, you you say you think it's the girl. I, I, I think that's strong. Yeah. I think, I think it's a necessary caveat that there is a chance that it could be the girl. Yeah. I think you're going too strong. Yeah, and you make a good point, and, and I, I, I apologize. 
apologize. You're saying for, it could be the girl, which that, I agree that with. That is in play big time mm-hmm. in this whole thing because You're he, trying to strike it up uh, again. It's in bit, play. It's in play. It's in play. Okay. So, and this is why Maybe I say Maybe not though, big time, but is, it is in play. It's a possibility. <laughs> hey, look, I'm no relationship sociologist. Okay. Nothing like this. Okay. But this was the red <laughs> All right, what's the red flag? Um, she, uh, he owes her money. That's why she hasn't broken all contact with him. So there has to be some justifiable reason why she's still talking to this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And my, she owes him money. Yeah. It's understandable, right? It's kind of, right, it kind of feels like a, a thing, like an excuse almost. Like, you know how, like, the girl just kind of, I don't know. I can, Again, I can't read her. I don't know the girl. But, you know, sometimes the girl, like, just, she, does, she doesn't mind it. You know, the guy, like, obsessing over her. It's an indicator, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's an indicator. Watch out that for that. She's guy. got a little thread. She's pulling that string. Yeah. What's that? Dragging along? What's that term? Tra- tra- trailing? Uh, no. no. Uh, stringing them along. Stringing yeah, yeah. them along. There's Bro. a little string out there. Maybe. Could be. So that's why we say advised. Be advised. Pay Could be a scenario. Pay yeah, attention. yeah. Okay. You're right. I agree with you. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right. Last question. That's real, man. That's real. Um, okay. Yes. Last question here is, Jocko, I heard you mention on your podcast with Tim Kennedy that you homeschooled one of your kids. I have four kids as well, and my oldest is five. We start officially homeschooling this fall. Do you have any general advice or any major lessons learned that you could share? Thank you so much. Well, uh, first off, I'll say there's a bunch of resources online because I only homeschooled. I have four kids. I homeschooled one of them, my son. He was older at the time. He will, I mean, if you've got four kids and your oldest is five, that means you're talking one, two, three, four year olds, right? These are some young kids. My kid was... He was like between the ages of seven in the beginning and then I think 10 when he went back to a normal school. And he was kind of a of a self-contained, self-sustained human. Like he, for some reason, he, he was a kid that could like take care of himself. Even when he was young, he would like make food, he would figure stuff out. He, he didn't need a bunch of attention. He didn't need a bunch of care and support. How old was he, you said, when he was homeschooled? I think he was like seven to 10. Seven to 10. Like those years, like seven, eight, nine, 10. Yeah, like second, third, fourth, fifth. No, it was like fourth, no, it was fifth, sixth, seventh. Oh yeah, that's, so seventh grade is 11, is 11, 12. Okay, so he's even older then, than what I'm talking about. Uh, And like I said, he wasn't super reliant. Mm -hmm. Like if you have four, I mean look, your kids can barely even do anything for themselves. You're gonna train him to, but you know, that three-year-old's not yeah. cooking yeah. anything. <laughs> so uh, so take my advice with a grain of salt. Uh, you have to be organized, but at the same time, you still gotta be flexible. I would say this, divvy up the time that you're training your children between mental, physical, and creative modes. And don't stay in one mode for too long. This is sort of the way I operate, right? I don't wanna sit there behind in, at a desk for six hours. I wanna do one hour, then I wanna go for a run. Then I'll do another hour, then I'm gonna go stretch. Then I'm gonna do another hour, then I'm gonna go and play my guitar. So figure out these different modes and divvy up the time and separate the times. This would've worked for me, right? That's what worked for me. Don't stay in one mode for too long. Now look, you may have a kid, I don't know. Like Leif Babin, Look, when, when I write a book, I write a book, I write one hour a day. Leif Babin writes eight hours in one day. 
and then he doesn't do anything on it for another two weeks, and he writes another six hours. Hmm. I do want. I, I don't want to write for eight hours in one day. Are you freaking kidding me? That's horrible. But so you, that's what I like. Figure out what your kids like. That's what worked for me. That's what worked for my son. Hey, a little bit of math, a little bit of surfing, a little bit of math, or a little bit of English, a little more surfing, a little bit of this, a little jujitsu. Um, let them come up with some of the study plan. And here's a little trick. What do you want to study there, child? And you can make any subject about any subject. You know, they say, one of, we, I like airplanes, cool. You can turn airplanes into math. They say, oh, I want to learn about dinosaurs. You can turn dinosaurs into science. You can turn fire trucks into history, like the history of the combustion engine, this is what's going on. Like, it's so easy to take them and wrap what they're interested in around real, for lack of a better word, curriculum that needs to be taught. So play that game a little bit. Make things fun. Um, make some objectives and some rewards. So kids like short-term gratification. Give them some, right? How are you gonna reward them? Don't think, well, this is, if you study this right now, you're gonna get caught into a good college in 19 years. No. <laughs> Be like, hey, if you can do this by this amount of time, guess what? Here's what we're gonna do. Mm. So figure out some short-term gratification. Tie it into some long-term, so they learn some of that as well. But that's just a methodology to use because it makes things a little bit easier. And listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a full-time job, and I don't know what kind of job you got, I don't know where you're at in the world, I don't know if your wife's gonna be helping you out, but this is a challenge. Or maybe this is the wife that wrote this, and this is the husband's gonna be helping you out, but this is a full-time job. And it is a ton of work. And it's also totally worth it, so have fun. And if you get overwhelmed, I've, I've known people that this has happened to, they get overwhelmed and they're like, you know what? I gotta put my kids into school. Or I gotta do a co-op and have some friends where now you're only doing two days a week, the other family does two days a week, and then one day you all bring them all together. Like, what can you do to, to make it work? But it's, it is a ton of hard work. So, good luck and have fun. And as always, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, sorry this went a little long. We were talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. You know how to support us, and we appreciate your support in everything. JockoFuel.com, OriginUSA.com, JockoStore.com, all the books, EchelonFront.com. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support, and we will be here standing strong with you on the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko.